Okay, we are Parshas Vayishlach. It is starting at hum, hum, hum. chapter chapter 32, verse 4 is where we're starting Parshas Vayishlach. Um, first of all, not connected to Parsha, I just want to say, point out whatever. Uh, mention that today is the 14th of the month of Kislev, Sudalad Kislev. It's it happens to be the anniversary of the Rebbe and the Rebbitson, the Lamb Rebbe and Rebbitson. Um, so it's it's a you know the Rebbe spoke a lot about. It's interesting, like why when he spoke about what was important about this day, he spoke about it as being a day that connects the Hasidim to the Rebbe. Like, kind of, how do I get into this place? Is because I married the Rebbe's daughter. Rebbe was the previous Rebbe's daughter, and the, our Rebbe married married her. So he's like that. This wedding kind of solidified the relationship between the Rebbe and the Chassidim because they're all you know that kind of thing. It's also like a nice day to celebrate Jewish weddings and marriages in general. So we're gonna have a Ferengi tonight with Gila. So that's happening tonight. Um, so that's today. Parshas by Yishlach. Last week we dealt with. Last week, we dealt with Yaakov in Lovin's house. We didn't deal with everything there. We dealt with some of the stuff there. Um, now, here we are, okay? what I, Basically, our Parsha has a couple of main themes. The first few aliyahs, the first three aliyahs, pretty much, cover um, three, four aliyahs almost, cover Yaakov's encounter with Esav, the preparation, the actually after. So we're going to get back to that because that's something that I want to talk about. So we're going to have, that's going to be like the bulk of the Parsha is going to talk about Yaakov and Esav meeting. Then we have chapter 34 is going to be, which is about the fifth Aliyah, is going to be um, the story of, of Dina, Dina going out to see the daughters of Shechem and the and 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 Shem seeing her and taking her and raping her and the whole story of Dina, which we're gonna hopefully get to. Um, after that, we have um, we have we we meet a random person who we had not heard of before. We hear of Devora, who is the nursemaid of Rivka, who passes away. Um, we so we have her death recorded there. Rashi tells us that the same time that Devora passes away, Rivka passes away. But the Torah doesn't mention her her death because people would curse the womb that gave birth to Esau, who was such a terrible person. So her death isn't actually mentioned explicitly in the Chumash, but she she passes away the same time as Devorah does. After that, we have sorry, we have Rachel giving birth to Binyamin and passing away in childbirth over there, and Yaakov burying her what's called at the side of the road, which is Beis Lechem, instead of taking her to Marasanach Pela. I don't think we're going to get to that conversation today, but it's, it's, it's a worthy one. And the end of the Parsha, of the end of the Parsha, we have um, the genealogy of Esav, all his kings and all his, his the people who ruled and who they, they ruled, the, the kings and the castles and the kingdoms that he had, that's the end of the Parsha. So that there, yay, guess what? We actually finished the Parsha for once. <laughs> A little bit of a cheat, I know, but still, at least we got it. At least we got the story. Okay. And Yisak passed away all the way at the end of the partial. So exactly. So Yisak passed away at the end of the partial. Thank you. Um, I think that's the whole partial. I think just that's the partial. We have uh, a bunch of stuff going on over here. 
we're going to start at the beginning. The beginning is, the beginning really is connected to last week's Parsha, right? The end of last week's Parsha, we had the angels coming to, the angels from Eretz Yisrael coming to meet Yaakov, to escort him back into Eretz Yisrael. And the end of last week's Parsha, just before those angels, was his last encounter with Lavan. Okay? Now, one of the things that, that, is our forefather who represents the Jews of Gullus in our lives. We love and kind of Gullus, right? What is love and the name? What does it mean? Lavan, what is Lavan? White, Lavan is white. So Lavan, the Lavan Gullus is the person who says, I love you. I have your best interests at heart. These are my grandchildren. How could you ever think I would do something to harm you or them? And really to sort of unpack that is very, very, very hard. It takes Yaakov 20 years to sort of do this and get out of love because that those bonds of love that hold us down and the, the, the place of justice of I'm right. And I have righteousness on my side and, and to be delighted in there, you know, we're so, I'm so amazing and I'm so awesome. And to, to get that way is that no, no, you might be Lavan, You might be dressed in whatever garb makes you look holier and special and wonderful, but, but really you're not but really you're not. And to get to that and then to get to where you need to do and to extricate yourself from that and to at the same time, not just get yourself out, but to do your mission. Your mission there was to take out all the sparks of holiness that were in that place. That's very, very, very hard. And then we have somebody like Asav. Asav is in your face. I want to kill you. I want you dead. We're going to have a showdown. And, to, and when you have to deal, I'm not saying it's easy. Yaakov, it happens. Yaakov has like a very stressful, let's say, day and plus dealing with Asa. But, and then it's over. But, but it's so much easier to deal with the enemy who says to your face, I hate you and I want you dead. The person who's like, I love you and we should just be brothers and we should just, you know, have some cohesive melting pot and chilling together and everything's going to be wonderful. We'll just all blend. It's much harder to say, Mm, no, yeah, no, that, that's not what I, that's not what I should be doing. That's not really what I'm supposed to be doing. So the, the whole love and saga, even though it was only one Parsha, that takes 20 years of Yaakov's life. You know, it's momish. It's 20 years of his life dealing with love and pulling himself out from that whole situation. And now the beginning of our Parsha starts. Yaakov is trying to figure out what do we do? We're coming back to the land of Israel. There are, in fact, commentators, commentators who fault Yaakov for kind of poking the sleeping, the sleeping giant. You know, there was no WhatsApp. There was no New York Times. Like, how is Asaf going to know that Yaakov came back to the country? Except that Yaakov, our, our partial starts out, that Yaakov sends angels and messengers to Asaf to find out how he's doing and what's going on. So the Ramban and other commentators like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you bother him? Why wouldn't you just kind of like, I mean, you don't have to sneak. He's a big entourage. He's not momish sneaking, but like, do you have to like throw up the players and say, hey, we're back. Hello, how's everything going? You know, so once we're going to get into the chazidus, then it makes more sense why you have to speak to him. But the, a lot of the person were like, why would you open this conversation at all? Asa was on another, the other side of the country. Like, 
everything you'll be settled and fine before it enter, before anything ever comes up and uh and and we'll get we'll get to the other thing so so he the first thing he does if you have a commission you're looking inside in chapter 32 verse 5 he so Yaakov sends these messengers to check out Asa to say to Asa and he gives them a message of what to say to them he says to go tell them to my master to Asa this is what your servant Yaakov says in Lavan Garti I lived with Lavan and I was I tarried till there which is also one of those words we just don't use in modern language we don't talk about tarrying any place right Vaihili Sharvachamari had a donkey and a an ox and a donkey and a thing and I'm sending you gifts to uh, to find favor in your eyes and the angels come back and they say uh, no go no go <laughs> this is just not happening okay your brother's coming he has 400 men with him and he is not looking uh, this does not look nice and sweet for you um and and then Yaakov, it says that Vayir Yaakov Ma'od, he gets very afraid, Vayetzerlo, and he's distressed. And so he he de- he divides the people that he he's he, he divides his camp and he starts coming up with his strategy. How am I gonna deal with my brother? How am I gonna deal with my brother? Right? So he says, okay, fine, we're gonna divide the camp. If one camp gets attacked, then the other camp will survive. Okay. And then he starts to daven. Rashi says the Yaakov is going to basically do three different things. He's going to prepare for war, which is the dividing of the camp situation. He's going to daven to Hashem, and he's going to do doron, which is um, bribery or gifts, however you want to call it. Today we might call it, you know, diplomacy. Um, and because the gift doron means a gift. Doron means a gift. So yeah, matanah is also a gift. Doron is a they're different. I don't know what the difference is exactly. That's a good question for Rivka, but I don't know what the difference between Doron and Matana. But we do find kids who are named Doron, but we don't find so many kids named Matana because I think that would just be. Matana. Oh, that's true. That's true. But we don't have girls. We don't have Matana. Maybe we do. Okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand corrected. I'm going to back off on the name situation. I don't know. Um, um, so we, so so he's going to so he's going to do this elaborate elaborate gift that he's going to start doing. And he's going to, and he's and he's going to daven, and he's going to prepare for war. I want to back up a second, okay? Rashi says that he, you know, when he says, "Go tell them I live with Asav in Pasuk, in Pasuk. I never became somebody important. I was always as if a newcomer. I was like always new. I was never. Uh, you know, there's nothing to to hate me. I was supposed to be the brachas were supposed to make me great and wonderful. And they did not really make me, they didn't. I was a newcomer for the 20 years that I was there. I was never really integrated into the community. Um, so there's nothing to hate me for because those brachas didn't come true. Didn't come come true. Another reason, another thing that Rashi says, Garti Bigamatria Taryag. It's in a numerical value of Taryag 613. It's, you can just see it very easily because if you switch the letters around, you see them all there. Klamar Imlavan Harasha Garti that I lived with Lavan, the wicked Lavan, Vitarig Mr. Shamarti, and I kept all the 630 mitzvahs. And I did not learn from his terrible ways. Okay. So, so the Rebbe asked a few questions on this, and he's like, first of all, he did not keep 613 mitzvahs, right? He, he, we know he was not in the land of Israel. There were mitzvahs that are dependent on the land of Israel. He didn't do those. He didn't have kibbutz of he didn't have kibbutz of Abe for twenty years. Like, how could you say that he did all the mitzvahs? So the Rebbe 
points out that Rashi doesn't say that asiti that I did them, but shamarti that I guarded them. And we know that when we learn about a mitzvah, there is a certain point, even though we can't actually do it right now, but there is that yearning and that waiting and that anticipation for it that gives us like the credit of not having done the mitzvah because you haven't actually done the mitzvah, but keeping the mitzvah alive in your, in your, in your life. Um, that there are times in our lives that we can't actually do the mitzvah, but are we learning about it and are we talking about it and are we thinking about it and saying, oh, I wish I could have a chance to do this. That would, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's part of what we're talking about over here. Parenthetically, it's interesting that, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that, that the, that the Rebbe instituted was learning Rambam, that there's a whole cycle of learning Rambam. And one of the reasons that the Rebbe said to learn the only one who categorizes halachically categorizes. We've been in exile for so many years. We'll figure it out. Rambam actually codifies halachically what do you do about carbonice and what do you do about this and two minutes, all these kind of stuff that are going on in the Rambam that are not practical for our lives right now. And I, my take on it is, if I can give my own opinion, which is kind of based on learning, but we're talking about it and we're learning about it and we're yearning for saying, I wish the day will come. We can't wait for when Mashiach's gonna come and we're gonna be able to implement all these things that we've till now, we haven't had the power to do. We can only talk about it, we're gonna learn about it. And that's kind of you know one of the things that we're getting over here from Yaakov. And the other thing that Rebbe points out is that if, you, if you're saying that you guarded all the mitzvahs, then why are you saying I didn't learn from his bad ways? Like, why I say both, right? So, so the Rebbe points out that he, in a way, Yaakov is not kicking himself, but he's sort of bemoaning the fact that I did not become as righteous as Lovin was wicked. That he took such delight in every single trick that he pulled and every kind of you know, his, his, these, you know, I'm not even saying the words in English, like every single scheme and every single thing. Lovin was so enthralled with all of that. And Yaakov said, I didn't get that passion for my mitzvahs that he has for his bad. I didn't learn from his bad behavior. What was I supposed to learn from his bad behavior? That passion and that excitement. And how can I do it better? And how can I get another person? And how Yaakov was like, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't quite get that passion from him and a way of, of, of kind of say, oh, chaval, like I was there for so long and I didn't get it from him. But if you, you could flip the same thing also in the other direction and say that there is a way for us to keep all 613 mitzvahs and we're still following Lavan. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a way that we could be Jewish and kosher and Shabbos and everything. And somehow our headspace is, our culture is still Lavan you know how we celebrate and what we do and 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 that sort of like that that i don't want to say warning but maybe a warning but or that pay attention to that Can, is it possible to be doing everything right and somehow get it all wrong you know to, to you're doing you're checking all the boxes but somehow in the spirit of things you aren't living a, a jewish you're living you're living a technically Jewish life. You're doing all the 613 misses, but are we still following Lavan? Are we? I don't even know if it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even saying doing it for the wrong reasons. 
we're dressing smears, but our fashion comes from Paris or from wherever. We're eating kosher. I had a conversation with a friend of mine years ago. Let me finish my sentence and then you'll see what I'm saying. I have a friend who had a very, you know, we were talking, you know, she had a very, very, very hard time making the journey into kosher. Her family owned a lot of restaurants where she lived, you know, when she was growing up, she's like, I didn't realize that potatoes did not come baked in foil. Like you could actually just bake them in an oven. Like, cause her father had so many restaurants. They ate either in the restaurants or brought restaurant food to that. Like they, they, so to go into kosher and it became like, she was living in places that did not have kosher restaurants. It was such a big ordeal for her. It was really very hard. And it was a long process and many, many, many steps. Right. She says to me, the thing that to the, that, to her, she it bothers her the most is when you see in the in like the freezer section like kosher shrimp. Like, why? Why do we need kosher shrimp? We could have other kosher fish, right? Like, what difference does it make? So it's not a kosher fish. So we're well, it's clearly not shrimp. It's shaped like it's kosher fish, shaped like why? She's like, why? Why? What is Jewish about kosher shrimp? Is it not kosher? No. Can I say you're doing something wrong by eating it? No. You could say the same thing about so many things, like correct. Lens. Correct, correct. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm why? 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 How do you see the parallel? You're having light. You're not. You're yeah, because you're controlling. There, there wasn't light, then you're not. You're turning. You're turning on the lamp. You're just turning it. Off. You're not turning on the lamp. You're not turning. No, you're, you're not. On it's on the whole time. It's. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm going to add to your case. Shabbos lamps are not the question. Shabbos timers. Shabbos timers would, you could say, could argue, you could argue the, the, the case for that. Because Shabbos lamp, you're actually not turning anything on and off. You're not touching anything. You're, you're uncovering and covering. It's not. I understand. I understand. It's halachically permissible. We're, I'm not saying, don't. Hello? Nobody say that. We're from Marcus and Yanali's daughters. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It's, 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 it's halachically it's a, it's a conversation. It's a conversation, okay? Um, um, like in the spirit, yeah, the question of not in the spirit of. The question of not in the spirit of. So her point was, and this is not a halachic thing. You could, this, anybody who's eating kosher shrimp is eating kosher. Let's put that out there. You know, they're eating kosher. But the question of the the following. Also like carb ice cream, like same thing. Why? Carb ice cream. Why? I mean, besides, it's gross. I'm sorry. I know no, you don't need. I, I know. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's like it's like it's like vegan cheese. Whatever. I'm saying like yeah, vegan cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Is it? Is there anything technically wrong with it? No. Is there something not super Jewish about it? We we could we could make the case that we I have. Or like, not everyone does. Many people don't. A hot plate? I don't know that many people don't. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 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 We did for a while. Not because of like, because whatever, from, but like, because I'm screwed up. Yeah. Other reasons. Yeah. I'm just saying. Some people don't because it's not like, I don't know. No, no. You're talking about a hot plate? You're talking about a timer? Are you talking about the different, those are different. I don't want to get into the Hilchashab here, but I, I'm, my, <laughs> we're never going to have passes. But, but my point is, it's the, the, the love on headspace. Where's your passion supposed to come from? Like, it's not like, what do you need? Like, you need passion. 
meaning we need clothes to wear, we need clothes to cover our body. We need to have clothes that are flattering to us and that look good. And the, the, the attitude that at the end of the season, we can't wear them anymore because our last year's season, those, that's last year's oh, stuff, that is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Obviously, your clothes have to come from someplace unless you're going to design and sew your own clothes, which I, I'm not. I'm not advocating. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that that play, that, that, that. Yeah, I'm going to get up my band box right now. I, but I, I think it's such an, I think it's such an important headspace of saying like, yeah, it, to be a being of, yes, yes, yes. How do you, how do you describe the love on headspace? The love and headspace is love. And, the love and headspace is that there is that culture that's better than mine, and I need to celebrate my culture. My, my, let's say my stuff are going to follow the love and culture. So, how do we do bar mitzvahs? Are we doing it? No, no, no. So I'm saying. So, no, no, so I'm saying. So I'm saying a bar mitzvah means. Kid turned 13 and now is part of the Jewish people. Again, I'll leave on the tire. My father used to threaten for my wedding. We're going to have herring and kichel in the shul. My mother's like, don't worry, if we are going <laughs> <laughs> Right? Once, I'm not saying, I'm not, kichel is like these, these like cooked, like these egg, these like biscuits kind of thing that they used to eat in the shuls. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> They're not even crackers. They're not even crackers. It's another, it's another level, whatever. But, um, the question is, how do we do things? Do we follow? Do we look on Instagram before we plan our Shabbos table? Do we look on? Um, the question is, is my, do I trust my value system and my culture to have something to say about how things look? How does a beautiful bat mitzvah girl look? How does a bride look? How does a wedding look like? All those things. All it's it's not not kosher. I want to go. I want to put. I want to be very clear. I'm not talking. We're not talking about God forbid doing things that are not kosher. I'm talking about the place of this. The the yeah yes 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 okay okay. Um. So talking about how like like basing your values off non-religious things. It's still kosher, but it's like not in the space of kosher. It's like what Yaakov was saying is that he guarded the mitzvah and he didn't get into love. Exactly, exactly. He's saying, I didn't get into love, love, love and headspace and I'm putting out there and then I'm going to move on because we have to do other things in this Parsha. What happens when we do fall into love and headspace? How is it, you know, because it, it's, it's so easy to get there, and I'm, but I'm doing everything right. I'm doing all the mitzvahs and I'm still, and so I think like the, the push of the Parsha is to say, wait a second, we can, we can choose what we connect to and we can choose what we want to do and, and really to give us that power because really that's what the Parsha does. The Parsha gives us the spiritual power to do, well, anything, but we, we can pick and choose whatever um, things are going on. We're like, we could say, you know, in my life, this is one love and thing that I, I know I struggle with and I want to work to, to, to disentach. Disentach, that's not a real word. Disentangle, disengage, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Start. So, like, I could I could use the parsha and say this is the parsha of Yaakov not falling prey to Lavan. I could also choose to not fall prey. Now, it doesn't mean turn you know close everything down. It's not going to happen. And it's, I want to in that direction. That's my point that I'm saying over here. Wait, did you see that Yaakov was like lamenting? 
I brought two. I brought different points here. One, yes. Two different things. Two opposing points. Two opposing points. On the one hand, you know that's one point, and the other point is like sometimes we we do buy into the love on, and and or Yaakov says I didn't. So they, you know, how that. It's hard to call that one. Okay, so um, so they're gonna go there. Okay, and then um, he saw Hashem, so Yaakov Davins Hashem, and uh, and he says that Hashem, you told me to come back. We're in chapter 32, verse 10 and 11. He says, I'm humbled by all your kindness and from all the truth that you've given to me. I crossed this, I crossed in this direction with just a stick in my hand, and now I have two camps full of people. And wow, save me, please, from Asa, from my brother. So we won't have uh. We won't have the mother and the children being hit at the same time. And he, she continues with this prayer. Something very, very interesting that we find with righteous people. They never say to God, Magiali, I deserve this. I earn this. Yaakov says, Hashem, I'm humbled by everything that you've given me. And I need to now ask for you to help me in a way of a gift. Of I, 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 I'm not, He's not coming to Hashem and saying, I, I deserve this. He's going to say, He's also not going to say, Hashem, your job is to save me, and I'm going to just sit back and let this happen. He's going to, yes, David, he's going to, yes, rely on Hashem. And at the same time, he's going to do his hishtadlis. He's going to do, what, are, what do I need to do to make sure that this happens? How do, what do I need to do to make sure that this end looks like I would like it to look? So he's going to take practical steps. And one of the things in the, in the conversation, I think, of, that we struggle with a lot in today um, is that balance between how much effort do I give anything and how much do I rely on Hashem? And where does one, you know, too much rely on Hashem, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like, they, they, tell, they tell a joke about this guy who used to pray to God. He wanted to buy, he wanted to win the lottery. He wanted to win the lottery. He wanted to, every day he's praying, I want to win the lottery. And the angels finally say to God, God, like, let him win the lottery already. And he's like, and God's like, could he at least buy a ticket? <laughs> Got to buy a ticket. So there's a place of what do we need to do? What is our involvement? And at the same time, where do we have this place of, where do we have this place of, we put in so much involvement that we kind of own it and like, okay, God, we don't need you. And really Yaakov right here, right now is at the cusp. He's now in Chutzlaret. He's not in the Holy Land. And, you know, if you, if we could parallel it, to like the Jews in the desert. The Jews in the desert were not in Eretz Israel, and they're every, God took care of everything. Everything was taken care of. They didn't have to worry about anything. So they knew that everything that they had was from God. Now Yaakov's going into Eretz Israel. The Jews are going to also cross into Eretz Israel. And then we're going to have that issue of wait, we have to have the army and we have to have the government and we have to plant and we have to grow and we have to, and we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to. It's very easy in that space to say, we are awesome. We rock this one. Yay. Yay. You know, like, thank God we get to live in, in, in this amazing, beautiful country, but we do run the, the risk of saying like, we did it all. We, we, we conquered, we did, we created, we own. And to forget that our country is in fact based on miracles and God and, and, his, his love and his blessings in every single thing. And to be able to like kind of find that balance between doing and not, you know, being able to do enough that you're really making an honest effort. And at the same time, 
understanding at the end of the day, all the blessings are coming from Hashem. And this is one of the things that we have over here with Yaakov. He doesn't say, you know, I deserve all this. You should just give it to me. But he's also making a very honest efforts of what you would need to do if you were going to meet somebody who is going to, who wants to, you know, kill you and whatever. So how do we deal with that? Yes, sir. What's the order of like the sacrificial blessing and the Quran should be together? Right. What's the order? You should pray first and then work towards it, or you start working towards it and then pray better. I think I think it depends a lot on the situation. So here, for example, Yaakov sends out the messengers, they go to Asa, they come back and they're like, ooh. You know, and then the first thing we see in the we, we see happening in the parsha is that he then splits the camp, then he davens, and then he's gonna go send this massive gift to Aesop. So, but in any situation, you know, the place of saying we have to have a multifaceted approach to whatever situation we're facing is something that we're gonna learn from Yaakov, which is really not super intuitive to, to Yaakov. Like if we look at Yaakov as the how we see him in, in, in the Chumash. He's, he, you know, last time he was faced with his brother who wanted to kill him, he left. He didn't stick around to, to have a conversation with him. And now after all his work in Lavan's house and he's grown and he's matured and how he's developed, he, he's a wait a second, there's, there's not one answer to this. There's the, there's the preparing for war, which is, in, which is in fact preparing one, in case one camp gets attacked, the other one will survive, they will run. Preparing for you know, davening and preparing to send him a gift. Like many, many ways we need to approach any, any issue. And the question of what comes first depends on what's going on and i think a lot of them overlap you know we we, we do things at the same time we we pack our kids lunches for school and we daven that they should be safe at the same time you know like it's all it's all part of the same partnership um and then he sends him a massive then he goes to sleep and in the morning he's sending a gift off to asav and um i'm gonna i'm gonna my husband has a a, a a Torah chat where he gives Torahs. So he, he shared a very beautiful uh, Torah over here, Shady, that he he that says that he slept here that night and he 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 took what he found and it's a mincha but he gave it as a gift to Ace of his brother. And one of the things that we know in Hasidus that things that there's this place that we need a vayda. You need to work on something. Things that come easily to us are nice but that isn't really where our avoida is like it doesn't mean we shouldn't do the things that we that come easily to us i'm kind of expanding on his, on what he said um it's not that we don't do things that come easily to us but when, things that only if we only are sticking in our very easy comfort zone that's not where avoida is avoida is where we're working and so so the kutzker has a vart that the things that were easy for him to reach that whenever we do things that are just easy for us that's a gift for asa that's not avoida that's like, that's not, that's not serving Hashem. That's just sort of, you know, kind of serving, you know, it's, it's a gift for Asav. And really what we need to do is we do need to put in our effort and we do need to, doesn't mean that we don't do the things that we're good at and the things that are easier for us, but the place of where our avoid actually lies is going to be someplace um, a few steps past our comfort zone. And we're only going to get there when we're willing to stretch ourselves a little bit. And he prepares a very, very big gift. And he says to the people, he sends enough of every animal, male and female, um, that, that they like as many male animals as you need for the females in order to have for them to, 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 to couple and to have more animals. So that's, you're gonna find the different animals have different amounts of male to female proportion. 
and he sets he tells each group to that they he sends and he sends the people who are going to take care of it and he says stretch it out so that when ace of sees he doesn't see like a whole massive group he sees like a group a big group and then while these are coming closer over the horizon he sees like the shadows of the next group coming so like the the place of you ever give a, a little kid presents if you give them all their presents at once like that's not so fun like oh that's great right but if you give them one and then you give them another one and then you give them another one right so that's really what Yaakov is going to do with they so he's going to give them these this incredible incredible gift goats and sheep and camels and all kinds of stuff but he's also going to space it out so that it 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 um it feeds his eye as well being a, a very greedy person that it would be feed him, you know on that level yes customs as far as presents but it could be we, we could tag it like that. The, the interesting thing, the interesting Hanukkah connection that we're going to have, because we know that what happens in the middle of the night, this is before he sends the gifts, what happens? Yaakov is ferrying his family over the, over the river, and he ends up, he ends up, that Yaakov ends up by himself. Da, 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 where are we? Da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, and chapter 32, verse 25, Yaakov is left by himself and he struggles with a man till the dawn breaks and he, and, he, and he sees that he can't overcome him. The person sees he can't overcome Yaakov. So he, uh, he, he hits him in his upper thigh and, and, he, and he dislocates Yaakov's thigh. And then, the and Rashi says, Who is this person that Yaakov struggles with? He struggles with the Malach of A of the Malach of Asav. That he um that he struggles all night with with Asav, with Asav's Malach, is his, his whoever his spiritual counterpart was. And 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 then when Yaakov wants, then when the angel sees, like, I can't, the angel has one time to say Shira, Rashi says, and he wants to go and he wants to leave. And Yaakov's like, I'm not gonna leave until you bless me. And he gives, what is the bracha that he gives him? Anybody know? He says to him, what is your name? The angel says, what's your name? He says, that's Yaakov. And the angel says, lo Yaakov yamar od, you won't be called, you won't be called Yaakov anymore. Kim Yisrael, you'll be called Yisrael. Because you struggled with man and with God and you prevailed. Okay, and then Yaakov says, what's your name? And he's like, what difference making my name? I don't have a name. And then, and then he leaves. A couple of things. There's there are definitely commentaries that talk about more modern more modern commentators who talk about that if Yaakov is left by himself and he struggles with a man, who is he struggling with? Himself. That he's really struggling with himself. That it's it's the night before he's in the dark. He's in a dark place, and that he's struggling with himself about what is the right course of action for me to be doing, and 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 sort of a lesson for us that there is this place that we, with, that we struggle. One of the, the, there's a terror that my husband always, always shares. He didn't share it on his chat, but he always shares. I, it's something that I love so much. He's a, it's a terror from uh, Reb Labela Eger, who's a grandson of Rabbi Kiva Eger, who was not a husband, but his grandson was. And he says that we were given the wrong name. If you look at the Pasuk, it says that you struggled with man and with God and you prevailed. So our name should have been Tuchal, that we prevailed. 
We should have been called B'nai Tuchal. What's this B'nai Yisrael business? We should be called B'nai Tuchal, the people who prevailed. And Rebbe Eger says, because it's not about the winning. It's about the struggle. The place that we think, and Tanya talks about this a lot also, the place that we think that we shouldn't be struggling is not correct. We want to just like everything should be smooth and everything should be easy. We have moments of that. Like we have spaces where that we're kind of everything is like, you know, it's all working and everything. But that's not it. Doesn't We know that that's not going to stay. It doesn't stay in that mode for, for forever. Our job is we are we, our job is to continue to struggle, whether it's Yaakov by himself, whether it's with our in our dark spaces or in our place of moral uncertainty, the place of understanding that it's not only it's okay to struggle, but it's actually, there's something very special about understanding that the struggle has worth. And what happens? Yaakov says to the Malach, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Whenever we're in a place of struggle, wherever we're in a place of darkness, we have to understand we are not going to leave until we are blessed by that experience until we end up being enriched by whatever we went through, then we can say, okay, now we can let it go. Because until we end up finding the blessing in whatever it happened, and I, I pray for all of us that our darkness should never be so dark, that it should be darkness relative to us. We should never know true sorrow, true pain, you know? But wherever it is that our place of darkness is, we have to understand and we have to know and we have to know it in our head and we have to know it in our hearts so deep that whatever it is that we go through and that we are willing to struggle and we don't just throw up our hands and say, I'm out of here, but we're willing to fight it and make it work. We are not going to leave until we are enriched by that experience. It, we should be able to see it with our eyes that, that our struggles have blessings that we are able to see and appreciate. I wish I could say we should never have any struggles, but that just isn't true of the life that we live right now. Our struggles should be small. Our victories should be great. And our blessings should be even greater that we see out of those. So that's the, that's what I want to take out of Yaakov struggling with the angel. Thank you. Another interesting thing that we're going to find, because Hashem is going to actually reiterate the name change soon, is that we are going to end up using Yaakov and Yisrael all the time in the Chumash. It's, it's two names that are going, it's not like, oh, your name was changed and now this is your new name, right? Avram was changed to Avraham, Sarah is changed to Sarah. We never hear later on in the Chumash that they're referred to back with their old names. With Yaakov, we find both of those names going on, right? So if you look, one of the other meanings of Yisrael, the, the root in there is Sar, of being like uh, an officer or like high up. Right, it it here is talking about kisarisa because of the struggle. But later on, when Hashem uh, gives him the name, it's we also see the root of Hashem's like Hashem's sar, Hashem's message, like a, a greatness. And we're going to find that Yaakov and Yisrael are going to be used throughout the Chumash all the way through. We're going to have both of those names coming through. There's conversations about when one gets used versus the other. Um, there's not a real great consensus. Some of them are partial. More modern Mepharshim want to talk about the idea that Yaakov is going to be used anytime we talk about Yaakov's family stuff. And Yisrael is going to be talking about anytime we talk about the Jewish people, something Jewish people happening, it's going to use the name Yisrael. It's not 100% consistent all the way through. So that's why it's not like a full, it's, it's, an, it's an idea, but it's not like doesn't carry through all the way unless we just don't see it. Um, but one of the things the Hasidus talks about is that Yaakov and Yisrael represent 
not not two people, two sides of the same person. And just like last week we spoke about how we both have a Rachel and a Leah, we both have a Yaakov and Yisrael. We both have Yaakov, that place of struggle, of, you know, of hard, of things, of having to work through things. And Yisrael, we're like, things are easy and good and we aced it. And, and really, we're going to have both of those things come. And we have, from Yaakov, we're going to have the power to do both. We're going to have the, part, the power to be, to be able to struggle in a, in a healthy way. And we're also going to have the place to be able to, you know, I was going to say coast, but that's not the word. It's like, you know, to be in that good space, to really feel connected, to really feel that what I'm doing matters. And my relationship with Hashem is clear and un, unmuddied and all those, like we have those spaces, but we also don't have those spaces. And we're going to have both of those really going on at the same time because Yaakov is going to, you're going to find chapter. He's going to go back and forth between Yaakov and Israel. And really that's us. We have moments of greatness and we have moments of great struggle and we have to embrace both of them and be able to use Yaakov's power to be able to, to do, to do what we need to be doing to really to ace, to, to ace the, to ace the, the, the place that we need to be moving out of or, or struggling through. Okay. And then, oh, okay. We have 10 minutes. We, do we want to like jump to Dina or do we want to continue with this? Could, I want to say one more thing about Yaakov and Asa, and then we're going to go to, and then we're going to go to, uh, then we're going to go to Dina. Okay. In Hasidus, we, 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 there's a question. Yaakov and Asa end up meeting and they hug each other and he kisses him and they're like, yay, let's, you know, Ace is like, wow, this is amazing. Let's like go continue together. Like, you know, evidently the fight fell down and he's ready to like just embrace his brother. And Yaakov says like, uh, we'll catch up. We'll have all the kids and we'll catch up and, and, you know, you go ahead. Um, and Hasidus talks about the idea and we mentioned it very briefly, I think, that Yaakov is, that Esav is the more powerful, excuse me, is the more powerful of the two brothers. Esav is the power of tohu. He's the power of chaos. Yaakov is the power of tikkun. He's the power of ves- lights in vessels. Esav's just like, boom, he's all, he's like nuclear energy. So Hasidah says, which Yitzchak saw, Yitzchak saw Yaakov and Esav working together, which was not going to happen. It was not his tikkun to do. We spoke about that. We spoke about Yitzchak. So here, Yaakov and Esav, Yaakov's gone, he's been gone for 20 years. He hasn't just been building a family and tending sheep. He's been like doing deep Aveda. He's been doing his spiritual work. He's been gathering sparks that are out there by Lavan. And now he says, I'm ready for Mashiach, but I need my brother. I need, our forces need to combine together for us to really do this. So he's, so Back to like, why did the Ramban's like, why did he bother his brother? Because Yaakov's coming to Eretz Israel. He's like, we are ready for Mashiach, but I can't do this by myself. I must have my brother with me. Is he ready? Has he done, has he spent the last 20 years doing his avayda so that he's ready for us to come together, take his incredible lights into my vessels? And this is awesome. And this would be fantastic. And Yaakov actually meets Esau and he hasn't done any of this. He's not ready for this at all. And Esav is like so inspired. And he's like, wow, we can do this. And Yaakov's like, if we do this now, if we like try to force a messianic thing right now, all the, he says, Yaakov says that all the young, the young sheep and the young, he has young children and young animals and they're all going to die. And Kabbalah says this is all the neshamas that were supposed to come out of Esav. Once he was rectified, all these great neshamas, 
would come out of him and they would all they just wouldn't happen. They would, we would never have those because he never, Asa didn't do his part. So Yaakov's like, you know what? This isn't happening yet. We're not ready for Mashiach yet. Asa hasn't actually done his avoida. So we're going to need to, as we see, this exile has schlepped out and schlepped out and schlepped out as we are slowly working our way through Asa and until we get to that place where we're able to put the pieces together of the of the power of Esav and the, and the vessels of Yaakov and to be able to put those pieces together. So Yaakov came to the conversation. He's like, ready? And Esav's like, no, ready for what? Like, I, I was busy. I was like hunting and killing for the last 20 years. I had no idea that like, I was supposed to do anything. And so, and so Yaakov realizes that they're not ready to move into the next stage of world messianic history. And so he's like, Esav, you... You continue and, and I'm going to just do my, you know, I'll just do my thing on my own. Um, and, and, and so they, and, then, and they don't, so they have this meeting and then we don't hear that Yaakov and Asa have any more fights between themselves. We don't, that, that's not where our, our, our the Chumash does not go in that direction after this. We know from sitting in 2021, almost 2022, we know like the fight has continued. <laughs> the Yaakov and Asa conflict was not over so quickly and Correct. They themselves aren't going to fight, but it is definitely it is not over. It is not over yet. So uh, we're going to still hopefully we're going to hopefully we're going to get to see the end of that one. But um, so that's what happens. So, so they so they split. So they split up and Yaakov continues. And then the next thing that happens. OK, we have we have the story of of Dina going out. We have five minutes. We're going we're gonna to try to do this in five minutes. Jesus, five minutes. Dina going out. It says uh, Batete, chapter 34. Dina, the daughter of Leah, who was born to Yaakov, goes out to see the daughters of the land. And Shechem sees her and he takes her and he and he and he he uh, humbles her, as they say in Chumash. Um, and then he decides that he loves her and he wants to marry her. And so he comes to he, he and his father come to Yaakov to negotiate. First of all, by the way, we have over here at the end, just before this happens, um, Yaakov buys Yaakov buys a buys a, a piece of land over here next to Shem in chapter thirty three, verse nineteen. That he buys uh, he buys this place from Hamar, the, the father Shem. He buys it for a hundred. Shita, whatever, however amount that is. So that's the next, he, he buys there. And then, so she goes and she's trying to see what's happening and he finds her and he takes her and he abuses her and then he wants to marry her and her brothers come back and they, from the field, Yaakov waits and they say, great idea, but our, our sister can't marry somebody who's not circumcised. So you and your whole city should get circumcised and then we'll be able to have our sister marry you. And what happens? On day three, which we know from from Avram already, day three is a very very painful day. On day three, Shimon and Levi go through the city and they kill all the all the males and they take Dina back and they come to Yaakov and Yaakov says to them, um, "What did you do?" He says to them, uh, "He says to them that you uh, you you've you've made our." you made us like unpalatable to the people around us. We're so small in number. How could you do this? And they answer him. 
Uh, is our sister going to be made into a harlot? We're not letting this happen to our sister. It says, right? Yaakov is definitely, Yaakov definitely is, uh, Yaakov is definitely waiting for them. He doesn't take the lead on these negotiations. Mm -hmm. He's, he's definitely, uh, Right. He's definitely it seems to be interesting. Like the, 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 the is it dynamic what's going on over here? And if you notice, Yaakov doesn't say to them that they are wrong for what they did. What does he say in verse 30? Adina, what does he say in verse 30? Yaakov said to Shimon and Lady, you have made my mind troubled, creating hostility between me and the Sabbath land and his and gates. I have so is he saying what they did was wrong? No. What's he saying? Your timing is terrible. Your timing is terrible. How could you do this now? We're so small. If we get attacked, we're going to all die, whatever. So he's not actually saying what, what they did was wrong. And in fact, the Mepharshim tell us that um, the the norm in for B'nai Noach, for a Ben Noach who doesn't keep their mitzvahs, they're actually punishable by death. And the fact that the whole city um, st stood by silently and let this happen to Dina under their watch, where it was not the norm then, um, uh, it, like, like halachically, they are punishable by death. At the same time, Yaakov was like, this is terrible. Like, you can't do this now. Like, we're just coming here. We're, you can't do this. You can't do this. Um, but the the the... The question that, that I want to look into for a second, because we really have two minutes left of the class, is, is um, you know, Dina. You know, it says, Vatetse Dina Baslea, that she goes out. And if you look at, like, the, if you look at the Bali Musar, they, they say, well, what do you expect? You know, you leave your house and, like, things happen. Like, she should have stayed at home. Why, why was she going out? Why was she, where was she going? What was she doing? And... You know, you see what happens when you leave the house. That's that. That's what happens. Um, the Rebbe has a very, very beautiful sicha where he does say, he says, where was Dina going? Where was Dina going? And why does why does the Torah call her Basleya? It seems quite not nice. At the beginning of the Parsha, it says, Vatetse Dina Basleya, that who gave, right? And then Rashi says about Basleya, Velo Bas Yaakov, she's not the daughter of Yaakov. But her outgoingness makes her be called the daughter of Leah because Leah was also Yetzani. She was also somebody going out. That Leah went out to meet him. And a, a, this is where the expression comes, like mother, like daughter. And I was like, how does she say something so nasty? That's not very nice to say, oh, you know, like mother, like daughter. So in classic in classic uh, Hasidic fashion, he unpacks it a little bit. And he says, where was Leah going? When it says that Leah went out, Likrata, where was she going? And that was from last week's Parsha. When Rachel and Leah end up switching nights when Yaakov would come to them. And, um, and, and Leah is going to have Yaakov come. And she was so happy to have Yaakov come. She was so happy to have more Shvatim. So, so Leah goes to Yaakov to say, you're coming to me tonight. So her going out is not a bad thing. That means the, the if you're going to say like mother, like daughter, then Dina's going out is also not going to be a bad thing. And the Rebbe says 
that one of the reasons that Leah has so many children, she has six of the tribes, is because she has an incredible, incredible power to pull down different spiritual energies. She has she gives birth to children who their names reflect their essence. And it's not just she has she's very fertile. Yes, she's very fertile, but also she's able to to get the soul source. Ruube, the the way of having a, a relationship with Hashem from sight, and Shimon of having a relationship with Hashem with, with from hearing, all different kinds of ways of having a relationship, different different personalities and different 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 behaviors of how we have a relationship with Hashem. And the Torah tells us that Leah had actually brought down seven abilities, not six. She has six boys, but she has seven children. And to Dina, she gave her personal ability. We know that in the beginning, it talked about that Leah was supposed to marry Asa. She didn't want to marry Asa, and she was crying, and she ends up marrying Yaakov, right? What would have happened had she married Asa? So the Talmud tells us she would have brought him to good. She would, right? And she's like, I don't want that avoida. I don't want to marry the, the addict. I don't want to marry the person. That's not my avoida. I don't want to do it. But that ability to take ultimate evil and turn it into good is a spiritual power that she has that she gives to Dina. When she is able to switch, remember, Dina's born as a result of Leah switching, switching, uh, switching her out. That ability to encounter evil and make it good is something that Dina has. So when Dina goes to Shechem, they're like, what do you think she was doing? She's not going, this is my ad, ad-libbing, she's not going to check out the fashion in Shechem. She's not going to see what the, you know, what, what do they do there? Like, what are their activities that they're doing? She's going, she's a daughter of Leah. She knows how to go and influence people. She's going to see the, she comes from the only monotheistic family in the hood. She's going to teach the girls about Hashem. Now it happens that she ha- personally has a terrible encounter with Shem over here. She has a terrible encounter with Shem, and yet the, the Gemara tells us that there was an incredible spark in Shem that that Dina pulls out. Dina ends up getting pregnant from this encounter. She ends up having a daughter who ends up marrying who she ends up marrying. She ends up marrying Yosef. She ends up marrying Yosef, Asnat, who eventually ends up in Egypt and ends up marrying Yosef, is the Medrash says is Dina's daughter. And she has the ability to have the only two grandchildren who were born in exile who are counted as tribes. That ability to go into the depths of darkness and have children there who and Yaakov's everything, that's he says, Leah to Dina to us, not to Menashe. That's the line. And, and so, you know, I think as a woman, it's probably one of my biggest nightmares. This, 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 this conversation, what happened, I'm not saying that it, what, that it all is, was rosy and good, but the fact that she was able to go into a situation and to pull out holy sparks and, and to bring it into fruition, that's an incredible, incredible thing. I want to give us all a bracha. This is the week of actualizing our potential. 
I think you could you could take another lesson. You could whatever. This is this is kind of how I see it, of being able to really really identify who we are and who we want to be and what we're capable of, and to not be afraid to shine that power and to really shine it for ourselves first and foremost. To be able to look at ourselves with love and compassion, and to be able to look at the people around us and say, "How can I reach out and how can I help them?" Have an awesome rest of the day and have an amazing Shabbos. Thank you.